Hey, Mabel. Hey, Tori. Hey, playwrights. Welcome to Hey, Playwright, a podcast about playwriting and life. Hey, Tori. Hey, Mabel. Am I interrupting something? <laughs> oh, yeah, I was. I was writing a note, and it doesn't even make sense. I wrote. Oh, those are the best kind. I wrote. I wrote hung up. I don't know what that means. I was trying to think of what I wanted to talk about. Hung up. Yeah. Oh, what? did you hang up pictures? Because we've been talking about. Yes, it. that's what it was. Oh my gosh, you're in my head again. Get out. Get <laughs> out. Get out. Yeah, that is something that I that I did um, while while my husband was out of town. I like to do little projects. It's it's just easier because I create a lot of chaos and I try to get it cleaned up before he returns home. And I did, I, I did, I hung up photos and I framed stuff. I made several trips to Michael's and I, I did, I subscribed to the Mabel way of hanging. So as long as my husband doesn't move any of the photos, he won't see all of the random holes that I created. Oh yeah! I took all of my kiddos, uh, school photos from preschool all the way up to current. And I created, you know how when you do like a, a class with school, uh, the, the full class photo, like when you were in grade school, they would put everybody, you know, and they would do the squares. I put all of her photos side by side, like they were in square, their frames so like, in squares. like, 12 different students, but it's really just it's really through the just, ages. It's really just her through the ages. Oh. And it but it's cool because you get to see the transformation. Yeah. Of her face cool. changing and everything. I like it. But but she walked by it and went, Really? Do we really have to have you really doing this? I said, Well, I can't take it down now because do you know how long it took me to line all of that up? That took a long time. Like I was exhausted. <laughs> And sore from hanging those pictures. And hey, do you remember when we went to New Orleans and we bought some prints from that the pharmacy? Yes, I do. I was just yeah, I was just looking at the one that I have, and I need to frame yes. it. Yeah, did yeah, you? Frame I know. Yours? I did not because it's a weird size. So I have. I go to a framer in TJ. So for those of you who don't know, what. I, I am located in San Diego, California, but really 15 minutes away from the international border. And there is a framer that I go to in TJ, and that's Tijuana. That's for, wait, for those framer. of you not in the know. So for those, for I don't know if we have any listeners in TJ, but if we do, there's a bomb framer right off of Revolution, and her name is Esther, and she's been there forever. Like she used to frame my grandparents' stuff. So and they're both dead now. Um, so she's so she's been around for a minute. I want to go with you. Okay, I want to go to Revolution and meet Esther. Well, she's off of Revolution. <laughs> she's on a side street. She's on a side street. She's on she's on a side street. Yes, but uh, but yes, yes. So if you uh, if you want to go, we can go to TJ and although you could go to Michael's and like you know get. There's always like 70% off of framing. I've never gotten anything framed at Michael's because I go to Esther. But I mean, I'm sure that. Yeah, Michael's does a decent job. I mean, I've yeah. had stuff framed there before. I'm it's usually expensive? too impatient. I I mean, it's not cheap, but you're right. They always have the deals. But I, I, um, 
I get impatient and I just start framing my own stuff. I have a bunch of concert posters and stuff. Would you frame those professionally? You can, but then also if it's like a a normal size, then like just go get so much frame. of the stuff that was not. It's like weird sizes. I yeah. was measuring well, things and then I was getting annoyed. I'm like really, really K Flay. Yeah, it's K-Flay. with this weird. I took my kiddo to that concert when uh, when she was younger. And uh, we got, we paid for VIP so we could meet Kay Flay and we got signed posters and, and I came across those and went, oh my gosh, I still haven't hung these up and this is cool. So I went to Comic-Con one year and met Jem, the real Jem of Jem and the Holograms and she Mm. signed my poster and I got that framed by Esther. (laughs) Fantastic. I'm telling you, Esther's our gal. Uh, you know what I was thinking? I'm not sure if I feel guilty about this, but I stopped buying the, the school portraits for my kiddos. Mm. I stopped buying them because I was like, I'm not going to ever put these up. And they we were just like collecting a pile of school pictures. It's not my aesthetic, you know, it's like, it's just, not, you know, John is a photographer and he takes really cool pictures of the boys. And, and also like John being like, how much are these packages? I could just take a better picture with my iPhone, which is true. So we stopped, but yeah. I don't know if that makes me a terrible parent or not. No, you know what? I need to echo that. I will agree with you. That's why, and I had never hung them up either, but that's why I decided if I'm going to hang these, I've got to do something that is interesting to me. So I, I decided. That's a cool idea. That's so, really cool. Yeah. Well, it, it seemed like a cool idea when I thought of it. And then when I tried to execute it, I really just wanted to knife myself. Yeah, because I'm like, oh my god, they're not lighting up. Yeah. And in the background, my kid was playing some very strange YouTube podcaster people that were arguing. Mm-hmm. The lady stormed out. It was really terrible. It was terrible. I can't even. I don't even know what their names were. If I did, I wouldn't say it. But it was highly. It was. I said, Sadie, they're not even nice. And she said, I know. Why are we listening to this? I don't think she was really listening. I think she was doing something else. And I I did something really exciting, though, this past weekend. What did you do? I I signed up for Diana Bourbano's playwriting. (gasps) She had like a a two-weekend intensive. So it's um, this past Saturday, this upcoming Saturday, and wow, what a great supportive group of people. It's through Breath of Fire. Oh. And everyone is just wonderful and supportive. And she is phenomenal. So oh. yeah, highly recommend. I mean, the the this class is free. I don't know what Breath of Fire's offerings normally they're, are. I believe are they always free? they're I think, yeah, I think she mentioned that on the podcast when she when we had her on as a guest that they're that they're always free. I I know that I've been eyeballing a few offerings lately and they've all been free. So I I mm-hmm. bet you the majority of their stuff, if not all of their stuff, is free. That is amazing. That makes me so happy that that you did that. Yeah, I got some great feedback. And so I'm I'm really I'm grateful for that. So um, I had one adventure this weekend on Sunday. My little guy and I <laughs> went on a on a journey through San Diego to find um, luchador masks because <laughs> <laughs> we 
which was not as easy as I thought it would be. I was like, oh, I talked to my to a costume designer that I had worked with in the past, Rosa Sanchez. Um, and she uh she's like, Oh, go to the swap meet. And I like I'd heard like people, you know, John told me, like, go to the swap meet. Everybody basically was like the swap meet. The swap meet will have everything. So why did you need the masks though? Oh, great question, Tori. I needed the masks because I was doing a bro for Olympia Family Theater for the production Fully Vaxxed because I <laughs> had this brilliant idea to write a play about um, uh, promoting vaccination. There are luchadores, there's a vaccine, there's doubt. And so in order to make this happen... Um, you can't have luchadoras without the the masks, right? That's an important part. I mean, I guess you could, but like, you know, the masks add to the theatricality of the piece. And so I think it's easier to get luchador masks in San Diego than it is in Olympia, Washington. <laughs> and so I offered, and alas, I went to the swap meet and could not find anything. Although one dude had capes. He's like, what? I don't have the mask, but I have the luchador capes. I'm like, okay, what? that's not what I was looking for, but cool. Good on you. So anyway, um, so Rosa told me, go to Old Town. And so I took my little dude to Old Town. Oh, yes. I took my little dude to Old Town in San Diego, which is a which is a tourist spot. But yes, there were plenty of luchador masks. So I found the ones that I needed. But we walked by the Whaley House. And Isn't it supposed to be the most haunted place yes! in America? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And little dude really wanted to go, but I was like, you know what? Let's not go right now because we were on a a schedule. We had to get back. Um, but let's figure out a time when we can go with Miss Tori. Because yes. Did you know you can stay overnight or you no, used to be able to pre-COVID? No, Tori. No. Gosh. <laughs> we're not doing that. Pre-COVID, you can stay. Nope. Oh, because Maybe I'll, I'll talk you into it. You will not talk me into it. But it was really funny because BB said something about, oh, gosh. She said, oh, ghosts would never haunt me. Something like that. Something very, like, cavalier. And then he, then he started freaking out. He's like, I shouldn't have said that. Now I can't go there. I shouldn't have said that. Like, he had remorse over what he said because he didn't oh, want to wow. offend the spirits. Uh, but now he really he really wants to go. Like as we were leaving, he's like, I really want to go. And then so so we have to plan that. So Whaley okay. House and then and then lunch. So Okay. I'm in. Yeah. I'm okay. in. I'll I'll bring Sadie too. Yes. We'll, we'll make, yes. Yeah, make it a family perfect. affair. Yeah. Mabel, that is the perfect lead-in to our guest today, who definitely explores the other world. And especially with his play, The Brothers Paranormal, but he has other plays who, who also delve into the realm of the supernatural. And it is Prince Gomo Villas, who's a Thai American writer and winner of the Penn Center USA Literary Award for Drama. He has so many different things under his belt, including uh, TYA plays. I mean, yes, I, this uh, full disclosure, this conversation was recorded a few months ago, but wow, is it a great one. We can't wait to introduce you to Prince. Yeah. Hi, Hi Prince. Prince. Hey, thanks for having me. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is so, 
This is so, uh, it's exciting to have you, but um, I'm still a little raw from having read your play, The Brothers Paranormal. Yeah, so I like, I'm trying to like breathe because it was a very, <laughs> it was a, it was a good, it was, it was my first good cry of yeah, the year. Yeah. Um, but before we talk about that, let's, let's just start at the beginning. Let's take it back to how you began this, this crazy adventure as a playwright. Do, do we want to go back to the womb or is this <laughs> how far back? Yeah, if it started there, let's go. I was born and raised mostly in, in Indiana, uh, Indianapolis specifically, although there was a, uh, a like a one or two year detour where, where as a baby, I was sent off to live in, in Bangkok. I think this happens with a lot of Asian families where you're born in the United States and then you just get shipped to, to the, the quote unquote home country for like a year or two for mysterious reasons that I still don't understand totally. Um, and then you come back. To my husband. That's right. Where did he have to go? He had to go to the Philippines. But, and then my father-in-law wanted me to send my baby to the Philippines. Right. Which I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway. Yeah. So then back to Indiana, um, where as a kid, you know, uh, I kind of often think about sort of my, my theater roots and my theater roots can be traced back to when I was a kid, because when I was a kid, I played with stuffed animals a lot. Like, And I would have my own kind of repertory company of stuffed animal actors. And I would put on shows for myself and my sister. And uh, uh, and that that is really what I do now, but with, with actors who... Um, Stuffed animals sometimes are easier to work with than, than real actors, but uh, I love real <laughs> actors. I love real actors. <laughs> so, and, and I'd always written when I was a kid also. I would write comic books. Um, I would write uh, album covers. It's like, oh. yeah, like starring, starring my stuffed animals. Like, they, they, like I imagine that they would have like these singing careers and then I would like write album covers and then like the back with the songs and stuff. Uh, so, so, and then as I moved, moved into junior high and high school, I started writing fiction, uh, uh, short stories, um, little skits and things like that. And, uh, did my BA in film and, and studying screenwriting specifically at San Francisco State University. Um, and then transitioned into playwriting where I did my MFA, uh, at San Francisco State University specifically in playwriting as well. So that's. That's how I got my start. What drove you to make that shift from film to playwriting? Well, you know, playwriting had never really been on my radar uh, until college because, you know, as as the son of immigrants, uh, as the son of working class immigrants, you don't really go to the theater. Like, I mean, I, I, you know, there was very little understanding. I don't know that my parents totally understand it now, but I mean, there was not a lot of understanding of what live theater was here in the United States. I mean... There's really, at, uh, you know, at least when my parents were growing up back in back in Thailand, not an equivalent, you know, like they, they would have kind of like um, lacans, which are these kind of like traditional uh, kind of dance performance type things, um, but nothing quite like what we have here in the United States um, or in other parts of, of, of the world. So, so I didn't really, I didn't grow up with theater. I didn't really understand theater. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know what it was until I got to college and started seeing stuff, you know. And um, at the time uh, when I was going through the film program and taking these screenwriting classes, 
in order to supplement my degree, I, I took um, playwriting classes and theater classes because I was just kind of interested in acting, uh, interested in kind of theater type stuff. And that's where I fell in love with playwriting. And um, I think I, I wrote a play that I entered in like a, a, comp- a, a campus-wide competition and it won. And then I was like, oh, maybe I'm, I'm kind of maybe good at this. And then, and then, and then sort of that's how I kind of transitioned from, from there and built, built my career uh, uh, as, as a theater artist and then have, have looped back around occasionally to film and television. But um, uh, my, my first love will always be theater. Yeah. That is awesome. I'm still thinking of your stuffed animals and their music careers. I <laughs> <laughs> still have two of them here. Uh, uh, Looney, Looney the lion and Attila the gorilla are, are in my bedroom. <laughs> oh my goodness. That is so awesome. Now it was in San Francisco where you got commissioned by theater works. Is that right? Where you started your the Oscar f- franchise of, yeah. of plays, or how did that how did that come about? Because this is your TYA, or, or did you start first with TYA plays, or did you start with other types of plays first? I, I started with with adult plays first. Um, uh, mm-hmm. You know, building, you know, kind of learning everything that I could learn in, in San Francisco after I graduated from uh, uh, my graduate program. I got a job working at as an editorial assistant at a, a magazine called Callboard Magazine, which is now known as Theater Bay Area Magazine. Um, and it was a uh, magazine for actors and um, uh, primarily and theater artists. So, you know, I continued my education because, you know, I saw like every show I interviewed actors and designers and directors. And um, uh, uh, it was a great, great place to be. Um, uh, and then so, so from there, I, I learned so much more, started I could continue to, to write my plays and send out. And my first professional production was at East West Players in 1998. And that was a play called Big Hunk of Burnin' Love, which was about a uh, <laughs> 29-year-old Thai American man who, because of, of a family curse, had to get married by his 30th birthday or he is doomed to spontaneously combust. Uh, and <laughs> So that was that was in '98, and I, I I sort of kind of built my career there and started getting produced nationally and then eventually internationally. And I think it was in the mid 2000s that TheaterWorks commissioned uh, uh, my first um, Oscar play, which is uh, for um, it's a touring show for kindergarten through through fifth graders. And uh, now there are now there have been um, nine plays in the series. Uh, wow. yeah. So, so the ninth play in the series. So, so the first play in this, well, the most popular play in the series is called Oscar and the big bully battle, which I believe you, 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 you two read. Yes. Um, yes. and, uh, uh, they all have to do with a 10 year old kid who learns lessons about various topics, whether it be bullying or diversity or gender roles, um, or dealing with trauma. Uh, the new show is called, um, is called uh shit um <laughs> not gonna, that <laughs> well, yeah. uh, can i open my folder here i i'm working on yeah. so many things uh it is called you can edit this part out or you can leave it in who knows uh oscar 
Oh, Oscar, Oscar's Not So Simple Comeback. Oscar's Not Oh, Simple. I love that title. Which is all about not going to school live for two years and having to be on Zoom <gasps> and then coming back to school wow. and feeling like you're really, really behind because uh, we've been hearing a lot and reading a lot about what, what's called learning loss, which is sort of like mm-hmm. this gap in learning that that a lot of kids are feeling because um, because they haven't been live and in person for, for two years and they show up at school and they feel like they're completely behind. So it's about Oscar kind of coping with that. Now, all, all of these sound like very serious, serious subjects and they are, but the plays are actually very humorous, very wacky. Um, the kids yes. love them. They they yell at the they yell at the the characters and they they call things out. They <laughs> clap. They scream. They boo, and it's it's a crazy fun time. And um, yeah, that that show opens in February uh, at the Alley Theater. Well, tour, touring from the Alley Theater uh, in Houston. So yeah, that's that's the Oscar series. When I was reading um, the the Oscar script, I was I was just imagining what a room would look like, what it would sound like with with the kids reacting and stuff. It's super super fun and also like really like <gasps> oh a yeah. lot of gas moments there mm-hmm. yeah i mean yeah i've never it's- been in an audience that has been so vocal and involved in my life in my <laughs> life it's crazy mabel and i often talk about how children are the best dramaturgs oh absolutely <laughs> absolutely they will tell they you will, exactly they what will tell think. you if they're bored, I know they're bored, and it's oh, like, yeah. we're, we're cutting and slashing. So, so I think the first four or five plays I wrote, I wrote on my own. I can't remember now how, how many I wrote on my own, and then I brought in um, uh, another playwright named named Matt Ackles to help me uh, kind of finish off the the series. I don't know if we'll get to ten. We'll see if we have a decology. I think oh. it's called. Uh, we'll see. Oh. Well, you really capture the spirit of the 10-year-olds, so I can see why they enjoy it. Um, do you spend time with kids, like how, you know, to come up with the material or whatever it is you're tackling, or does that come from the organization saying, hey, we really have a need to address this subject, go? Yeah, so my um, my commissions have come either from TheaterWorks uh, in, in Palo Alto, California, or from the Alley Theater in, in Houston. And all those commissions are, are typically born out of uh, an immediate need in the community, right? So, um, uh, for but an immediate need in the community that we have to address in, in a very particular way that's going to um, uh, reach... Uh, kindergarten through fifth grade, which, you know, as, as you all know, is such a wide swath to sort of like, yes. we have yes, to appeal is. to a five-year-old and a 10-year-old at the same time. That yeah. is nuts. And it is a skill um, that a, a, a lot of people um, cannot master. And, and I think mm-hmm. that we have found a way to master it. Uh, but, um, uh, but yeah, they, they come, come, come to us with, with things that are happening in the community and saying, um, you know, this is the immediate need. So, for example, um, a few years ago when Hurricane Harvey hit um, uh, Houston or, or the Texas area, uh, a lot of kids were kind of really traumatized by, by that event. And, and they said, um, can we write, can, can, you, can you guys write something about um, kids coping with, with trauma? So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, we try to keep things very kind of light and metaphorical. So, so we, we never would you know, directly reference a hurricane or Hurricane Harvey specifically. Uh, but that show was called Oscar versus 
thingamabob. And we just know that <laughs> Oscar experienced a very bad thing and it is manifesting itself in his dreams as a thingamabob, which is sort of like a goofy, googly-eyed character um, that, that runs on stage. And it's just about how Oscar deals with that. So, so yeah, it, it definitely comes from, from the, the immediate community and what they're needing to deal with uh, right now. So important. And yet, I will say that the you're you were writing for for K through fifth grade, but I certainly would love to be in the room. Like I, I think it's entertaining for adults too, because you definitely have some references in there oh for right. for the adults, some some lovely Easter eggs. Yes. <laughs> I wrote it I wrote down this moment and Oscar in the big bully battle where I just cracked up is when the principal starts re- is reading yes, his autobiography. <laughs> I love that part. That, yeah. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. a perfect punishment, too. Like, wow, <laughs> really that's is. brilliant. Yeah, the kids, uh-huh. the, kids, the kids get punished by having to listen to the principal recite his autobiography, his very dry <laughs> autobiography. Yes, awesome. yes. <laughs> so was, do you have other TYA plays, or, or like had you done other TYA plays before Oscar? Uh, prior prior to Oscar, I had written one TYA play that was for uh, middle school and high school, and that was called Outspoken, um, and that was about um, just a, a swath of, of issues that teens were dealing with. Um, so everything from um, kind of struggling with body image to identity and, and all of these other, and race and all of these other issues, and that ran for a number of years. That was commissioned by the New Conservatory Theater. In, in San Francisco, and um, mm. they, they have a program called the Youth Aware Program, and that ran for, I don't know, something like 10 years, and, and I would update every, one, every few years. Um, and then post-Oscar, um, I think most recently, a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, um, I wrote a play called Scrimmage for East-West Players uh, for their uh, TYA program, and that was about um, toxic masculinity and uh, Asian male identity. Uh, and uh, that was for for middle school and high school as well. Awesome! That's so great. Cool. Okay, are I we there? Love- are, we oh, there? are we there? Are we there? Are we there? Are we ready? Yes. Yes. Deep breath. Oh. <sighs> Thank you for sharing your about your TYA work, <laughs> and now we're going to segue into. You're welcome. <laughs> now we're I'm talking segue- about talking about a play that moved. Um, moved both of us so much. And that is your play, The Brothers Paranormal. You know, as you were talking about different themes you explore in TYA, I thought, oh, that's so interesting, because I feel like some of those themes are in in this adult play as well. Oh, man, I think I think this play is just so, (sighs) you know, you know what it was for me reading it, it, I thought it was going one direction. And then I felt like the rug just got pulled out and I went (gasps) like (laughs) in a good way where I, I was, I had the same reaction where I just bawled when I read it and I could totally imagine seeing it. And there's also some really scary moments too, Um, you know, that I really look forward to seeing on the stage so okay, can we can we can you give like the the quick like log line of the play? Because then I want to know like where where this came from. Because I was like with Tori, like I had the, there were some really scary moments. 
Um, then I cried. Then I texted Tori after I finished reading it. And then I cried some more. Like <laughs> I thinking about it earlier today. I was like, you know, it still makes me very emotional. So like, so can you tell us what the play is about for those of, for those of you out there that, that are just hearing about this play for the first time? Sure. Uh, the Brothers Paranormal is about two Thai American brothers who launch a ghost hunting business in order to capitalize on the nationwide increase in sightings of Asian looking ghosts. And uh, they go to investigate uh, a haunting at the apartment of a couple, an African American couple who ha uh, uh, have been displaced by Hurricane Katrina um, and are now seeing things. So that's, that's the basic premise. I'm gonna say one other thing that happened to me reading this, thank you for that, is that after I read it and made all of these beautiful discoveries, I had to go back and read it again and go, oh my gosh, that's how he crafted that. It was just really masterful what you did in the play. And Thanks. so I, yeah. So where did this play come from? Like what, what was your inspiration for this? Yeah, I mean, I think this, is, uh, this play is sort of like a culmination of all of my interest and obsessions throughout my lifetime. And it's like, I, I don't know, after I wrote this play and I got it up, I was like, uh, this might be my last play because it's like, what do I have left to say after after this? I've said everything <laughs> that I need to say in this one play. You know, as, as as you know, I'm sure you all heard heard the idea that writers are always kind of rewriting the same story over and over again. And I think like, oh yes, like maybe I'm in a place where I've just re rewritten everything until the point I got to to this, where where I feel like for the first time I got it right. You know, but okay. So anyway, um, most of my work. Uh, tends to deal with um, social issues that are wrapped up in something weirdly supernatural as well. So, <laughs> um, uh, so for example, you know, I, I told you about Big Hunk, Big Hunk of Burn and Love, which in terms of like thematically what it's about, it is about kind of like cultural identity, familial obligation. And then there's the kind of like weird family curse twist. Um, I had a, a, a play uh, that was about uh, a, a, an Asian American man who was literally invisible. Um, and the only person in the world who could see him was an African American woman. Um, and, and sort of like thematically that play was about Korean um, black race relations, especially during the time of the uh, 1992 uh, LA riots. Um, and uh, I've had plays about sort of UFOs and aliens, um, uh, uh, superheroes, um, so, so a lot of kind of strange, supernatural or, or otherworldly type things. Um, the Brothers Paranormal is the first time I ever kind of dealt in the realm of ghosts and horror, even though uh, in terms of like what I consume, um, I consume a lot of horror, uh, just horror movies and I, I, you know, and reading and all that stuff. Um, especially when I was a kid, like I grew up reading Stephen King uh, I grew up watching all the Twilight Zones. So I think the idea for kind of like Ghost Hunters was the, the, the first step in, in, in the idea because I, I, I've watched like all of the ghost hunting shows, which I find endlessly entertaining. Um, oh, yes. And uh, so, so that's where the kind of like the ghost hunting aspect com comes in. Um, I've always also been really interested in racial intersectionality, especially the casual intersection of race, in that I like stories that don't necessarily have anything to do with 
sort of racism, but it's just people and characters of different races coexisting in the same place and dealing with stuff together. Um, so, so, so there's that aspect of it. There's the Asian black aspect of, of the play. Um, and then some of the other themes about cultural identity, uh, about immigration, about displacement, uh, about loss have think have been things that I've been interested in as well. Uh, so I want to kind of integrate that all into one thing. And then on top of that, I think I really appreciate in terms of, of Thai cinema, I don't know how familiar you are with Thai cinema, but in Thai cinema, um, there is a tendency for tone to be all over the map. It, and it's crazy when you watch a Thai movie, some, some of these Thai movies, not all of them, but some of these Thai movies where um, one moment uh, will be like extremely tragic and melodramatic and then on a dime it'll switch and, and suddenly it's crazy scatological humor and then it then it's like crazy <laughs> horror stuff. and it's all in the same movie and it's like well, wh- what is going on it's just like you know here in the United States it's like you stick to a genre and then you just stick to that genre and, and especially and, and then tonally you stick to the same tone. If you stray, you're going to get noted to death by executives, etc., dramaturgs, whatever. But uh, uh, in Thai movies, you have that kind of freedom to shift from tone to tone. So I wanted to play around with tone as well. So um, you know, maybe a little bit of what you were talking about, Tori, er- early on in terms of like the expectations, not only in terms of the story. I, I played around with tone as well, in that I think mm-hmm. the play starts out light and 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 funny. Um, then becomes very, very scary, and then really becomes super sad. And I just, mm-hmm. I just love that kind of trajectory of tone and kind of putting the audience through those paces. And audiences really love that. And speaking dramaturgically, I have gotten dramaturgical questions about sort of like the tone of it, about whether audiences would be able to handle the, a roller coaster of emotions. And all of them have been able to handle the roller coaster of emotions because that's what life is. Especially during, you know, the past two years, if not longer, you know. Absolutely. I'm like, that is the that is the kind of show that we want to see when we go to the theater. We want that roller coaster. Although right. some of it was kind of, I was just like, oh my, I can't believe you did what you did. That was just like, <laughs> how dare you rip our hearts out like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I absolutely loved it. And I... I love that's it, it was what I meant what I said when I said masterful because you do you you know you hooked everybody in with the the laughter and the um uh, the conversation and it just everything seems so airy and <laughs> and then yes. what is that saying <laughs> make them make them laugh before you make them cry I right. mean it really right. is but and then that turn the scary part poof but I do, I, I really, I am so looking forward to seeing how uh, directors and designers take, take your stage direction and put that into play with the, with the actors, because there's some very scary moments. I mean, with yeah. things flying around, and, I, I was, you know, I was and, fortunate enough to see um, all five productions in 2019. Um, so, so right. all, all different kind of designers doing different wow. things that were, frankly really amazing and uh to watch it with audiences man we we people are screaming in the theater um ah! one, one night i was told about um there's a moment at the end of act one in minneapolis where uh there's there's a key moment that happens that's very very scary 
um, mm-hmm. where where two two women in the front row were so freaked out they ran out of the theater. They, during that <gasps> moment, they just couldn't handle it. They just couldn't handle it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I just got chills. <laughs> Uh, you know, I know this is audio, so so people won't see this. So I I communicate secretly to you what it was, but it was the it was the moment. You know. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that really does. Like I can I can see why they yeah. why they ran. That that's terrifying because there's a moment where you go, is this part of the play? Right. <laughs> yeah. But I like that. I like, like you, Prince, um, you know, I think the first real novel I read at 12 years old was a Steve was the stand, you know, so I was reading Stephen King and definitely the twilight zone and um, the night. Oh, what what was that other one? The outer outer limit. Oh, night gallery. Night Night gallery. Night gallery. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. I like that fear factor getting a little scared and you know that's it's good or a lot scared or getting a lot scared yeah my, my favorite, could, as i like to say go go ahead yeah no, I, no. I was gonna say my favorite uh, stephen king novel is it and uh you know i never read anything that long but that that it was like almost a thousand pages i couldn't believe i finished it but when i finished it, I, I felt like i accomplished like so, like i won the olympics or something i was like i can't believe i finished that book. <laughs> you're like yes <laughs> oh my goodness um you set the brothers paranormal in the midwest so tell us about why that might be important for the story yeah so um the the midwest is important for a number of reasons i think i think one you know my midwest background kind of plays into it definitely do you hear that in the background (laughs) Yeah, it's all right. So my Midwest background definitely play, plays a part. You know, I, I grew up in Indiana in the 70s where we were the only Thai people. We weren't the only Thai people. Like we yeah. had like cousins and, and stuff, but uh, there were not a lot of Asians around. You know, I, where, where I went to school, I was the only Asian kid in my entire elementary school. So so it was like like you know, almost 50% white, almost 50% black. And then there was me and and then that was it. <laughs> so, so in terms of like kind of dealing with that kind of cultural and racial identity thing, um, you know, being in the Midwest is very different from if you set a play in Los Angeles or you set a play in San Diego mm-hmm. or New York. Um, so, so I felt like that was important to, uh, to kind of get across what I want to get across um, especially with some of the, the characters who are dealing with with things, um, and then also, um, I think that a lot of what of the play play is about is different forms of displacement, um, and I wanted to find a place to displace everybody uh, that that was really kind of like a landlocked state. What was was my mm-hmm. so I think that that's why the Midwest. Mm. Yes. It, yeah, it does. I'm I'm from Indiana too. So. Oh, where, where in Indiana? Yeah, <laughs> uh, Winchester, which is about two and a half hours from Indianapolis, it borders Ohio, kind of in the middle of the state. Right. My mom actually still. Do your parents still live in Indiana? No, my parents live in Southern California now. I, I do have oh, okay. some, you know, aunts and uncles and things still still in Indiana, but yeah. Yeah. 
my mom, anyway, they moved around a little bit, but she's back. I said, why? (laughs) (laughs) Why? (laughs) Anyway, I keep offering for her to come to San Diego, but we'll see. Um, Have you ever seen any of your plays performed in Thailand? I have not. I've had one play performed in in Thailand, but I, I didn't make it out to that that particular production. So not yet. I'm hoping the Brothers Paranormal will make it there at some point. Uh, and, and hopefully I'll be there for that. Yeah. Wow. What about Indiana? Has it been performed there? Yeah, actually one of the five cities uh, that it premiered in uh, that, that one year was in Indiana at a theater called uh, Fonseca Theater Company uh, in Indianapolis. And um, oh, wow. uh, yeah, the Brothers Paranormal opened their new theater space there, and it was uh, super fun to be to be back in Indiana for the first time since I was seven. You know, actually. Wow, yeah. you have a line in the Brothers Paranormal that the dead make their own rules. Mm-hmm. I was curious about that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's. Uh, I I think it's. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of particular world building. That, that, that's involved when you deal with genre work like sci-fi or, or, or horror. And um, I think that that line is in there just to say that the rules of, of the world in the Brothers Paranormal are very specific to the Brothers Paranormal. Um, mm. You know, just in terms of, of uh, how the ghosts appear, how they cannot appear, and, and sort of ghostly energy and all of that stuff. When you go to different places, do you go on the ghost tours or do you kind of seek it out? I have gone on ghost tours in in uh, New Orleans. That that's that's been super fun. Yeah. But as part of research for the Brothers Paranormal, I hooked up with an organization here in Los Angeles. I, I don't know if they might be defunct now, but they they were called the Los Angeles Paranormal Association, and they were a group of um, folks who went around to um, various haunted places in LA and would have. Uh, nightly invest night nighttime investigations, um, and they invited me to a ghost hunt at a purportedly haunted house up in Santa Clarita uh, that was uh, on a property that um, had a cemetery in the backyard, had a well in the front yard that a girl died in uh, decades ago, oh. and was the wow. site of um, a flood flooding disaster. I think in the early 1900s or something like that, uh, because of a dam breaking. I can't remember the, uh, the St. Francis Dam disaster. I can't remember the year. Um, and uh, uh, it was near a, a Native American burial ground. <laughs> so mm. so the, all this convergence of like you know weird kind of interesting uh, things uh, was going on at this house, and uh, they had told me about all of the various kind of you know objects that have moved by, by themselves, you know, motorcycle helmets flying off the shelves and, and, and almost hitting people, uh, in this house. And so, so I went with them this one night, uh, just investigating, we would sit there for hours and, um, uh, just listening, recording. Uh, and, uh, I think the one strange thing happened and that was a back door that we were in a different room when a back door uh, opened on its own on a windless night. So nope. maybe, maybe something. <laughs> I don't know. Nope. I don't know. But I, I personally have never seen a ghost, but I know a lot of people who claim to to have, have seen ghosts, definitely. Oh, yes. 
You like my bells going, no, I had her go on a ghost tour in New Orleans. Oh, yeah? We went there together. Yeah. And, um, and it was fa- it was really interesting. Learned a lot about the history there yeah. and um, some of the just really disturbing, horrible, horrible things that yeah. happen. It's not the ghosts or the the ghosts aren't the terrifying part. It's the humans. The humans, absolutely. Yes, it's right. the living yes. humans that right. are. I feel like that's yeah, a so great Mabel, takeaway of Don't be scared of the ghosts. Don't be scared of the ghosts. <laughs> oh, I'm not scared of the ghosts. I just don't. I, there's a in our family like there are ghost magnets in our family. So like people will travel to like all these places and then bring, bring someone back. And then you have to go get like a, a cleanse, you know, like a get, have to get cleaned with the egg and on. It's like, fascinating. I, don't, I don't need that in my life. Yeah, I don't, yeah. you know, I just, it's just, you know, I don't want to bring any, anybody with me. It's so interesting okay. though, to right. hear the, the research that you did Prince with that group. Um, and whatever you were able to glean from it, and that you actually got to be in the room with them. Did they have all of the equipment and everything? Yeah, they had all the equipment. I mean, some of the some of the, the, wow. you know, some of the investigation that you see in the in the play, um, or is just based on my experiences with with this with this. Yes. Group. Wow. Okay, Mabel. <laughs> maybe <gasps> we'll get. Maybe maybe Prince will do another tag along, and we can go with. Them. <laughs> oh my god. <gosh. laughs> <laughs> like I said, I uh, I'll read, I'll you know, I'll watch the movies, I'll I'll, I'll read books, but like, <laughs> like I said, there are these. Just, I don't know. Just I'm too worried to to bring that into my house. I'm, I'm yeah. super paranoid about it. I did live. There were ghosts where I in my old apartment, and um, like I saw a ghost, and wow. I know it was a ghost <gasps> because I told you about the old dude. Yeah, right? you did. Yeah, you, t- was, like, you told me about the cold. No, we almost, we, oh, we, almost bought, we almost bought a house uh, where it was the place of a uh, a, a murder suicide. It was a, a mother and her and her two boys, and I have two boys, mm. so that was super weird. We had like already like we were already moving our stuff in, and then the water guy comes and it's like, "Do you know what happened here?" And then he told us the story, wow. and it was this this awful, very tragic story of this woman who just kind of like I guess she lost it, and then ended up killing her children and killing herself in the house that we Mm. were going to move into. And then, but when we found out about that, there was like a 12 hours, a good 12 hours where I was like, Oh, we can deal with it. And we always wondered why are the neighbors looking at us? And we thought, Oh, maybe they're just racist. Right. Of course, you know, like, yeah, like, no, but I think they were looking at us because we were a family with two little boys and that's what we uh, had. Yeah, they were two little boys and, and, and they all died in the house. And then the house, the one thing was the house was super cold, like freezing. We would be, I'd have to go outside to get warm. I was wearing my winter coat. I remember. And I like, it was my New York winter coat and we're in San Diego. It doesn't get that cold in, in right. San Diego, but it was freezing in there. And, um, that uh, yeah. So, energy. uh, bad energy we yeah I was we, say, we, we we decided no 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 we're not going to do this and uh thankfully and we ended up finding a ha- the house that we live in now and it's nice and happy but yeah, yeah it was good. weird but that was that this that's incredible I've had some, I've had, like i said our family attracts ghosts it's not it's not <laughs> scary stuff normally but it's just like right. annoying you know right and so right mm. But yeah, I don't, I don't need that. But um, I, okay. So I had a question about the coffee because I learned I did not know I did not know about the co- the history of coffee, which I thought was really mm-hmm. fast. I don't, I love 
when when that's in plays, when I learn mm-hmm. new things. And there are like a few things. I felt like your your play had a lot of interesting things that I did not know about where I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. But but like the coffee was one of them. Like what what was why did you did that? Does that mean anything? Or like, was it just like, hey, like, why? Why the coffee? Oh, you know, I'm, I'm trying to remember way back when uh, I guess I, I guess I was reading about about I, I don't know. I was I was reading I was reading about coffee for some reason, but I was just like very curious about where coffee came from and just the idea that um, sort of like the only indigenous coffee trees are are are, are back in back in Africa, you know, and that mm. that the way that coffee first spread around um, the world was through through slaves chewing coffee cherries um, and spitting them out on, on the land where they ended up. I mean, that's uh, super interesting, uh, but it also mm-hmm. thematically is resonant to, to what's going on in the play as well. Um, you know, the play deals a lot with sort of history and where we come from and, and where we're going. And uh, so... So yeah, I'm interested. Also, I'm interested in hidden histories as well. I mean, I wrote a play after this, uh, which is about sort of hidden 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 stories of the Civil War, uh, uh, and that play is called Panorama. It was a commission from Jiva Theater Center, but um, you know, just kind of in researching the Civil War, just finding out about how many women dressed up as men to serve in the Civil War. Um, how many Asian people actually served in the Civil War? Uh, you know, it's it's just wow. all these stories that we just don't that I never knew about, at least, and I think a lot of people don't know about. Um, so I am really interested in these in these hidden histories, um, which you know, as as the decades gone by and as we progress in terms of um, what we're learning about history, all this stuff is coming out more and more. So I think it's super cool. Mental health is a, another kind of big theme in, in, in the play. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think that the way the East treats issues of mental health is very different from the way the West does. Um, I know in my family, at least, um, sort of what we would consider mental health issues uh, are, are sometimes or a lot of times considered spiritual issues, you know. I had I had a, a a relative who was dealing with what we would describe as as maybe schizophrenia or or, or bipolar disorder, um, but it was seen by my family as a, a kind of spiritual disease. So instead of being taken mm-hmm. to you know doctors or psychiatrists or, or anything like that, he was actually kind of taken to a monk who blessed him and worked with him, and uh, he's really better now. So I don't know who's no, to say. No. So it's it's interesting. Um, you know, the play, the play yeah raises a lot of questions um, about sort of the way that that sort of the Asian and Asian American community deal 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 with mental health issues. You know, and I think to a certain extent the Black community as well. You know, it's 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 quite different. You know. All right, Tori. Now we're going to lighten things up. Yes. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm enjoying the conversation so much though. I, really, I, this has been delightful. Okay, Prince, asking for a friend. Yes. Would you rather spend 24 hours in a casino or 24 hours in a haunted house? Oh, casino. Number one, I, <laughs> I love casinos. <laughs> Do you? Do you really? I, I haven't been in a, in a long time, but uh, I, I, could, I could lose myself at a blackjack table for for hours 
Sam Allen. Oh, Blackjack. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty. I'm pretty good. I know, at, but you never know what time even. it is. I'm pretty good at breaking even. Oh really? Oh that's, oh, good. that's good. Yeah. 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 Is it Blackjack okay. and buffet or just Blackjack? Like, is, uh, the, is just, the buffet part of the consideration? Uh, no, just just Blackjack. Just Blackjack. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And if, could, no if, and if I could find a, a, a seven-card stud game, then then I'll, I'll play that. Mm. Oh, Although yeah. I have like the worst poker face, I think I think um, uh, sometime back, like I, you know, I was playing for for hours with a group of people, and like, you know, I was folding all the time, and then like I had like an amazing hand, and I just could barely contain the the smile and joy on my face. It was so hard. It was so hard. I'm so bad. <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't bluff my way out of anything. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think I probably would share that with you, Prince. I yep, think yeah. I I have a terrible poker that's, face. Yeah, that's yeah. what they say about Tori. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I know Mabel would not choose the haunted house, so, you know. I would definitely not I'd be like I I hate casinos. Yeah. But I would rather hang out at a casino for 24 hours. I think I think they're for me. It's better now that there's no smoking. Right, 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 right. You know, I can't say um, for certain that I haven't already been a, in a casino for 24 hours straight. Oh my gosh! Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not not within the last decade, but I I wonder. I do wonder. Well, that yeah. What I was starting to say earlier is that there's no clock. So how would you even know 24 right, hours right. had passed? Right. When would just tap you out? <laughs> Right. Be like, oh, your time's up. No, I, I have never won anything. Like, I, I think the reason why I hate casinos is because I always feel like such a loser. Like, I, I have never, <laughs> I, and I'm like, I'm paying to feel bad about myself. That just, right. that just, I don't. I guess oh, I just, right. I just need that big jackpot, and then I'll be. Uh, right. No, then you should play something like craps or, uh, or even the roulette wheel. That's, you know, it's. I mean, it's all just chance, but it, with blackjack and stuff, there's skill in poker because you have to, you know, right? You have to kind of be paying attention to what cards are put down and how much. Yeah, right. It seems like a lot of work. It's still a game of chance, but yeah, yeah. But it's less chancy than <laughs> like a roulette or something like that, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what I like. Then, about then it. at least, yeah, yeah. But I was thinking, Mabel, maybe you would feel less like a loser if it's truly just a chance. It's the roulette wheel. And craps is kind of fun. It's very exciting because I, I still don't really know how it works. I don't either. Everybody cheers. Yeah, yeah. it doesn't make any sense to me yeah. at all, but it's fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I guess. Uh, um. Okay. Should I ask the second one? Yeah. Okay. Here's a bonus question for you. Uh, and both of these questions were in the spirit of the Brothers Paranormal. Okay. If you could have someone follow you around all the time, kind of like a personal assistant, okay. what would you have them do? Oh. They're following me all the time? <laughs> yeah, they're there right now. <laughs> uh... That's that's kind of creepy, actually. <laughs> I'd want them to leave me alone. I'm a loner. I mean, get, get out of my personal space. <laughs> Perfect. 
I can, I can, as a writer, yes, I can appreciate that, that you would say, no, I'm good. So Prince, um, as we mentioned at the top, one of the things that we like to do is to leave our listeners with something to do. Oh, yeah. So, yes. Do you have a writing prompt? I do have a writing prompt. Oh, and I'll I'll tell you this, that uh, I just started... um, uh, last quarter to uh, hold a free public uh, online writing workshop once a quarter uh, just, just for people <laughs> who want to do it. But I'll, I'll let you know the next time I, I, I do one. Um, but, uh, but this was a writing prompt in that, in that, um, in that session. Uh, and I teased it. I teased it before the session by saying um, during the session, I will ask, the most important question a writer has to ask themselves if they're serious about a writing career. And the, the question <laughs> that I would ask you and your listeners as, as the mm-hmm. most important question you have to ask yourself is why do you write? Why do you write? Mm-hmm. You know, there are so many writers who, uh, especially novice writers who are concerned about, um, you know, what I'm writing about, theme, plot, how do I get an agent? I, I mean, where do I submit to? What are these theaters? It's like, back up, stop. Why are you writing? You know, the writing prompt is sit down, uh, uh, free write. Don't even think about it. Just start writing for five minutes. Why do you write? And um, that always has to be your compass as you move through your career and, and through your life. So that's my writing prompt. I love it. Gosh, that is so valuable too. It doesn't matter what stage you are in your writing yeah. career, whether you are brand new or if you're somebody who's been writing for a long time. And it I think, can evolve. It can yeah. evolve over time, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important for us to to ask ourselves that question, you know? Because I was just talking in another in another conversation about being disillusioned. <laughs> <laughs> Right. <laughs> you know, ah, sometimes I talk myself out of writing. So then why do I write? I think that's that's so good. Right. So perfect. Uh, like a perfect prompt for me right now. Thank you for that. You're welcome. And oh my gosh, free online writing workshop. Yeah. 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 Hello. Try, trying to build a, <laughs> I'm trying to build a community. So, you know. Oh, I, I want to be I want to be in the Prince community. <laughs> me too. How would people find out about this? Are you do you post? Are you are you on the socials? Like I, I act uh, like it's cool. I, like I know I, what that means. I killed most of my social sometime back because it, it, I feel it's too toxic for me. Uh, but uh, my website, which is Prince and my last name, G-O-M-O-L-V-I-L-A-S dot com, um, is where you could find information about me, all, all my shows that are going on. And uh, at the bottom of the, on any page of that website, you could sign up for my mailing list where you'll get alerts about events and writing workshops and all that stuff. So, yeah. Oh, fantastic. Okay, perfect. Now, Prince, is there anything else that you would like to plug? I don't know if this is really a plug because I can't say too much about it, but uh, just keep it on your radar. But I've been, for the past two years, with my Oscar writing partner, Matt Ackles, um, Mm. we've been developing a a sci-fi TV series with Amazon Studios um, for the past two years. And um, uh, if all goes well, and it seems like it has been going well for, for two years, uh, this show will premiere 
uh, I think next year. So it's 2023. Uh, the title keeps changing, so I can't even tell you the title. Uh, but just look out for a sci-fi TV series on Amazon in 2023, uh, created by me and Matt Ackle. So look out for that. Cool. That is so cool. Yeah. I know. So you have your, your feet. Well, no, you got more than, you've got more than, I was going to say you have more than two feet. (laughs) (laughs) Toes in different writing pots. What am I trying to I don't know. Never no, mind. Sounds weird. Then I pictured toes in pots, and that was a pretty horrific yeah. image. What about toes in sweaters? I'm sorry. I'm getting... All right. I'm sorry, Prince. I'm not that weird. I swear. <laughs> yes, I am. Okay. Uh, oh, my goodness. Prince, thank you so much for spending time with us. This has been such a wonderful conversation. Again, um, we can't wait to see it, but I'm also a little bit nervous about going to see it because I think it's going to be a very emotional experience. But it's yeah. such a beautiful play. And Oscar is so much fun. Like, I just, it's so, it's so, it's just amazing to see because your range is like, you know, we saw like, like writing for kids, writing for adults. adults like, and then, and, yeah. So um, it's just, it, I'm, we're, it's we're, inspiring. Yes. We're lucky to, to know you, to, to have you on the show. So thank you so much for making time for us. Well, well, thank you, Tori. Thank you, Mabel, for having me. Uh, I had a, I had a great chat. So see you next time. Awesome. All right. That was a great conversation. Oh, I, I enjoyed that. I cannot wait to see that play. I know that we're we 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 like for a second contemplated going to Alaska, but I think we just decided like that's that that's it not going to happen. It wasn't going to work out, but I I must say I am really I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go in November. I think it is going to be Ugh. incredible. And oh my gosh, let's invite Prince to the Whaley House. Let's. <laughs> Let's do that. Oh my gosh, that uh, would be so much fun. Um, yeah, and I was thinking there there was something else. He he gave such a great writing prompt there at the end um, about why why do you write? And I'm, I'm still I'm still thinking about that. As I think it's it's such a cool exercise to revisit it because just like he said it could it could change you know over the course of time but it's funny because i was just talking to paletras about this writing exercise and um i think it's really important to to regularly interrogate why we write because i think it's easy to to get lost in in the why you know oh i want to be famous i want to make money but is that really why you write that's not why i write Mm-mm. but and it's okay if it is, you know, if that's if you just need to make a buck, I get that too. I've been there. But right now that's not why I write. There was a time when that was why I I, I wrote, but you know. So yeah. yeah, I love that exercise. That's great. Yeah, I think so too. So thank you, Prince, for that. Yeah. And if 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 you have two seconds, go to his website and and make sure that you sign up. Subscribe. Make sure you subscribe for updates. It's right at the bottom of his website. And who knows? Maybe, maybe I'll we'll see you in that uh, Prince community that he's creating with his free writing workshops. Which, wow, what a treat! You know, love that. That's awesome. Yeah. So this weekend, what do we have, Tori? 
We're going to see The Great Con. It's written by Michael Jean Sullivan, and it is running at San Diego Rep in the Lyceum space March 3rd to the 27th. So I am looking forward to that. Me too. And um, Bangin' It has opened. We're going to see it in a few weeks, but um, there is a code for discount tickets, which I believe is good through next week. It's Hey Play, and we'll have that info on the website at heyplaywright.com. And what else, Tori? I guess we uh, we got to start making plans. We got to start talking about outfits because we got a trip coming up that we'll talk about in a few weeks. Yes, we'll just let we'll we'll let you teaser. all imagine. Teaser. That's our teaser. <laughs> we have a trip coming up. We need to coordinate or not. Whether we're doing intentional or unintentional, we need to coordinate because now you and I both have the same pair of shoes. Oh my gosh. That's because I copied Mabel. <laughs> I bought I bought her shoes because they looked so cute. And they are and wonderful. And they're super comfortable, right? Oh my gosh, I absolutely love them. And as a matter of fact, I'm, I'll am i put those in the show notes. <laughs> you <can laughs> you want to have the same shoes. You want to have the same shoes. Yeah. <laughs> they, are, they are Birkenstocks and do not but, scoff. Yes, because they're not, they're not the ones you're thinking of. They are not. They're like cute. They are not your hippie uncle's Birkenstocks. Okay. No. One of my teaching residencies, some fellas mock me <laughs> saying they're my ballerina shoes, which is fine. But that I, I take that as a compliment because I, I think that makes them seem even cuter. I think they're delightful. They are delightful. And they're super comfortable. They are very comfortable as well. They do kind of look like ballet shoes. Though. I can see why they say yeah. that. If you'd like to... No more. If you if you would like to stay updated on all of our shoe um, <laughs> purchases, be sure to follow us. Follow this podcast, and you don't. If you if you're interested in our shoes, maybe following us on social media isn't the best place because we're not shoe pick people. Although we should start our own shoe gram. Is that a thing? Shoe gram. Uh, you, you could make it a thing. Okay. I think anything is a thing. Playwright shoe gram. Playwright um, shoe and then I can take I can take pictures of all of my shoes and Tori can take pictures of all of her shoes. I do have a lot of shoes. I don't have many beautiful things in life other than my husband and children. Uh, but I have but my shoes. Yes. I, I have a problem. Is that is that is that it? That's it, shoe twinsy. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh all right. So like, subscribe, follow us on social media at Hey Playwright. Check us out on our website, heyplaywright.com. And um, and we have many more great things coming this season. We're already halfway through it, right? This is It's going by pretty quickly, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. All right. Yeah. So and we're already starting to uh to figure out our season five guests. So anyway. I know. More to come. More to come. All right, everyone. If you have not yet done so, please like, share, subscribe our podcast, especially with somebody else who maybe is interested in stories or in playwriting or 
just hearing people have great conversations about life and where they get inspiration. So we are on all the socials. It's Hey Playwright across the board, Instagram, Twitter. Um, and I found out you can rate us on Spotify. They created some what? way to do a ratings. Yeah. Uh, a couple of months ago, I guess. So you can rate us no matter. You can rate us no matter where you are listening. Uh-huh. Great. Woo-hoo. All right. And with that, Tori, I bid ye farewell. Bye, playwright. Bye, playwright. I like that. We're going to do I that. I like it too. Okay. All right. Bye for real now. Bye.